the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us every Saturday night here on AM 1280 The Patriot. Starting at 6 o'clock sharp, K-12 through education is the playing field. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, so succinctly stated, he said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I'm Mark Durkin, joined again by my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hegstrom. Yeah, good evening. Nice to see you, Mark. And it's nice to see you again as well, Rebecca. Yeah. It's getting cold outside. I know. I know. I'm not ready for that. Got to get those uh, rest of those winter clothes shopped for. I know I do anyway. Know, but we've had a great fall. Oh, it's been great. It's been hard to, it's hard to complain. Nope. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Well, it's October, and that means next month school board elections will be happening all across the state of Minnesota. All the way up until Election Day, November 2nd, candidates for school boards in different parts of the Twin Cities Metro have been joining us here on Education America to discuss who they are, why they are running for school board seats, and the challenges that their districts are facing. Mm-hmm. And tonight we have two candidates joining us who are running for school board seats in the same district. Kim Bauer and Curtis Henry are running for three open school board seats in District 196, the Rosemount Apple Valley Egan School District. Thank you both for joining us here tonight in Education America. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Well, we're going to jump right in. And let's start with you, Kim. Can you tell us a little bit about why you're running for a seat on the Rosemount Apple Valley Egan School District Board? And what do you believe is the most important responsibility of a school board? Yeah, thank you. And good evening. Yeah. Um, Thanks for having us on the show. I moved to Apple Valley six years ago, and my family moved here. It was a destination district, and Uh well, it still is. Yeah. But the past five years, we've seen a decline, and Mm -hmm. I know that we can do better. Mm -hmm. Current events woke us up, you know, like most parents around the cities, it seems. And I believe the district's mission to educate students to reach their full potential. And I believe that academics should be the first priority in the classroom, Mm -hmm. math, literacy, science, truthful American history, warts and all. (laughs) And the political bias and opinion should be left out. Mm -hmm. Um, There needs to be more trust and transparency with the curriculum and the budget. Mm -hmm. The parents and the community need to be heard. It seems as though maybe half the people are being heard at the current time. Mm -hmm. And the most important responsibility of the school board is to keep education first. We need to hold the district accountable for academic performance by closing the achievement gap. We do this by meeting the students where they are and providing opportunities and resources for both underachieving and accelerated learners Mm -hmm. while encouraging them in their unique character and gifts and abilities. Mm -hmm. 
I also believe the parents and the community involvement is vital. It's a resource and it needs to be more it needs more publicity and more consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you raise a good point talking about focusing on academics. I think what a lot of parents are feeling, at least from what you see in the news and what you're hearing parents say at school board meetings these days, is it just seems like the focus has shifted from academic engagement with students to more of this more politi- politicized um, curriculum. Right. And so it's interesting that you want to bring that focus back to academics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It shouldn't yeah. even Good. be interesting. It should. Right. <laughs> yeah. And as you said, only 50% of the people are, are being heard. Yeah. Right. Right. Give or take. Right. Yes. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Curtis, you know, you mentioned to me uh, off air a little bit, more of a staple in the community, been in the District 196 community for about 20 years. What things have you been seeing and hearing going on in District 196 that really motivated you to declare your candidacy for a school board seat? Well, I think like Kim said, is that this has been a destination district. Uh, My wife is an Apple Valley High School graduate. And when it came time to look for purchasing our first home and settling down with our, you know, starting a family, it was District 196 is where we wanted to be. And the issue that I'm seeing is that the school board has lost sight of what their job is. Their job is to represent the constituents, the taxpayers, the parents of District 196, and I think they've lost sight of that. Mm. They seem to be more focused on the special interests, specifically the teachers' union. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know that now they're even, when the heat's on them a little bit more, they're cutting down on allowing people to speak at school board meetings. They're finding ways to avoid mm-hmm. their constituents, mm-hmm. and that's not right. They're there to represent us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other thing that I'm hearing that you know also motivated me when I'm out door knocking is that they're really tired of the politics in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Right. This is coming from the top down. Superintendent Krieger uses her platform to push her political agenda. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, that permeates throughout the entire school that now the teachers and the principals feel enabled that they, they have the right mm-hmm. to express their political opinion in the classroom. And what, that, what does that do that, that causes division in the classroom? Because not everybody thinks the same way. It also causes some children to feel unwelcomed. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, really, we need to get the, you know, one of my key things is we need to put the children first. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. the, the responsibility of the school is, is to educate our children, get them ready for the next phase of their life, whether it's going to college, trade school, just getting out in the world, because we're running into a very global economy that mm-hmm. we need to make sure that our children are the best prepared that they can. Mm-hmm. To be able to compete in that. And I mean, the biggest thing that I really, really concerns me and a lot of parents is that we've gotten away from critical thinking. We've taught our children how to think and we've lost their they've lost the ability to learn how to think. Mm -hmm. So they're told what to do and they do it. Yeah. You meant you meant, I think, that we now teach kids what to think rather than how to think, I think was what you were trying to say there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that more and more across the nation or yeah, across the nation. And of course, one of the hallmarks of a quality education and also really uh, centered on our first amendment, right? Is this free exchange of ideas. We don't see any of that going on in in Mm -hmm. the classroom anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Uh, I want to turn it back to Kim uh, Bauer here uh, just for a moment. There are numerous candidates that uh, are running for three open seats in District 196. What are your thoughts on the educator-endorsed and union-backed candidates for these open seats? Well, I think that's a fair question, and I do not believe having an educator-endorsed board member has the best interests of the students and the parents in mind. Mm-hmm. The union is there to support and protect the teachers. So I ask 
you know, is then who is then the voice for the parents and the students and even our taxpaying community. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I, that's definitely an area that I think is a conflict of interest there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, while I am 100% for teachers, don't get me wrong, um, I am excited to come alongside them as a board member, but I'm really just not for the union um, mm-hmm. buying the teachers' votes. It, um, I, I, I never like to sound like, oh, it's not fair, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and ho- hopefully you don't mean literally. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Correct. Um, <laughs> But this is not representing the constituents. The board is there to represent um, t- to represent us, and we're seeing this, you know, in our boardroom right now. We already talked about the division, mm-hmm. um, and it's really sad. And there are plenty of you know teachers and staff that do quietly, of course, you know, come to me in in private and let me know that the educator endorsed candidates um, don't represent their views and that mm. they're not actually going to get their vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and furthermore. I'm sad for the teachers who just feel outcast in that pressure of not wanting to conform. Right, right. right. I think it's a real problem as well. And it's interesting when you say it that way, that these teachers and administrators are privately coming to you and saying they don't Mm -hmm. represent my views. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, as you pointed out earlier, the union is there to represent their views. that's what I was just thinking about. (laughs) Exactly. The school board is not supposed to be representing their views. They're supposed to be representing the parent views, which is what both of you have said. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a real big issue that should be brought up. And if you do make it onto the school board, um, is that something, I wonder if that's if something like can be dealt with at the local level for going forward with elections. Um, I don't know where a law like that would need to come from. It would have to come from the state legislature. But um, to me, that seems like something that should be looked at. You know, mm-hmm. can unions, are, should they be allowed to... Uh, put candidates Chime forth in, right. for for school board elections. I think it's a very big question that people should be asking. Right? Yeah. Um, well, Curtis, I wanted to ask you kind of the same question. Of course, we're putting words in your mouth. Maybe um, you have, you have a good feel um, of what each candidate running for school board on the district hopes to bring to the school board. Can you share with our listeners your thoughts on the candidates that are union backed and educator endorsed? Well, I'm going to kind of double down on what Kim said: is that the school board's job is to represent the constituents. Yes. The teachers union is to represent the teachers. Mm-hmm. And so that line starts to really get blurred. And that's one of the major concerns I have with District 196 is that when you look at between the superintendent, the school board, and the teachers union, there is no division. Mm-hmm. It seems that they almost- They have the trifecta. They have the trifecta. <laughs> they, they Basically, mm-hmm. whatever the union wants, the, the superintendent's supporting, and the school board's rubber stamping Mm -hmm. it's one voice one voice and so who's really looking out for us Mm -hmm. but also like one of my concerns is the conflict of interest because the school board's involved in the the negotiation of the contracts Mm, that's a very good point so Mm -hmm. if you look at the current makeup of the school board and you look at going back the union endorsed getting the union endorsement basically was your path to victory Mm -hmm. that if you could get that endorsement you basically were preparing your name plaque for the school board Mm. And I, mm-hmm. the one thing that I'm really encouraged about this particular election, because when I ran two years ago, it was a huge uphill fight, but mm-hmm. the parents are now starting to wake up. Mm-hmm. And they're now saying, hey, we need someone representing us. And so we're going to look for someone different. We're gonna, mm-hmm. We need to buck the status quo. We need to f- get parents and representatives for us. The mm-hmm. teachers union can endorse, can recommend the, can, um, cover the teachers. We need someone that's going to be there for us. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. you're seeing a difference. I didn't know that you ran the last time around. So you're noticing a difference then in 
in the maybe educational level of the constituents in terms of what's actually happening in the schools. That's increased, it sounds like. And um, they're starting to really push back on what they're seeing and they want true representatives. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that in the past, if you look over the the data over the last several elections that are Mm non-referendum, is typically it's around 3% of the the registered voters are voting in District 196 school board elections. With it being Mm -hmm. off year, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have the... um, the things that happen in a normal year election with right. ads on the TV all the time right. and on the radio reminding you to vote that right. that now we're seeing parents that are saying, hey, I've never voted before, mm-hmm. but I'm voting this time because I need to get off the sideline and into the game because mm-hmm. it's my children mm-hmm. that we're talking about. And we can't let the union dictate the direction of the school anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Very, very interesting. Um, Kim, can you describe for our listeners how District 196 responded to the COVID-19 pandemic? And then as a candidate for school board, what do you believe should be the district's response to masks and vaccines? Sure. Loaded question. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I saw firsthand how teachers and staff did their very best, you know, um, as we all lived and are still living through the COVID-19 um, pandemic, and I emphasize with all of our educator. I'm sorry, I empathize with our yeah. educators who had to shift to distance learning on a mm-hmm. dime. And mm-hmm. you know, it's it wasn't easy for them. It right. wasn't easy for the families and the students. Mm-hmm. And I think that the teachers and the administrators should be proud of the job that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know students need to make up ground um, that's been lost because of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. I was encouraged by the board's initial decision to make masks optional mm-hmm. um, this fall, and I was disappointed when they reversed the course without much parent input. Mm. And these masks are proven to have mental health negative, you know, to affect your mental health negatively. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a risk in everything that we do, including, Mm -hmm. you know, driving. Every time you get in your car, there's a risk. And therefore, I believe that the decision to wear a mask or to inject your body with a still mysterious vaccine Mm -hmm. should not be forced and instead should be a choice made by the the students and the parents in consultation with their doctors, of course. Mm -hmm. And anything forced to me does not equal safe. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two small children who I teach this lesson to on a daily basis, you know, whether it's being forced into a car, forced into into sex or a sexual act, um, drugs and alcohol, peer pressure, you name it. And Mm -hmm. this doesn't feel any different. Mm -hmm. Um, The power and control trip that that's going on right now it's got to stop and no student will feel safe when they're being pressured into something so i'm all for keeping people safe mm-hmm. and i'm for keeping students in school learning and in person so i'm just really open to creative approaches that can achieve this mm-hmm. i don't think it has to be a one-size-fits-all mandate right, right. Mm-hmm. i think that's what we it seems that as time has gone on um there is so much peer pressure for safety I think I might have brought this up on one of our other shows, the Jonathan Haidt book, Coddling of the American Mind. And he wrote this book with, I forgot who he wrote it with, but um, probably, what, five years ago now? So long before the pandemic hit. And he talked about how safetyism across Western civilization, but especially in America, is really changing the way we are raising our kids. And this is a case where you know, the safetyism is is so pronounced because mm-hmm. it's a true threat. But to kids, we know it really isn't as right. much of a threat. And right. so it's kind of this question of who's who are we prioritizing here? Once again, the kids or 
the adults. Right. And the teachers all yeah. have the opportunity to be vaccinated. Right. So mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. believe that. If you're concerned, then, yes. Mm-hmm. That's a choice that can be made yeah. on their yeah. end. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can walk into a restaurant with a mask on, sit down and take it off. Right. Could we not be more creative in the classroom? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to put this in, in Curtis's uh, court right now. Um, I mean, we see the issues surrounding the masks and the vaccines, and there are so many divisive issues in school districts across the country. It, you know, emotions are overflowing, a lot of anger. A lot of these school board meetings, we see videos of, of that uh, taking place. If you're elected to the school board, what, what would you advocate for in regards to the issues surrounding the masks and vaccines? Well, first off, I'm not in favor of any mandates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mandates are, mm-hmm. are a very strong word right. with very little flexibility. Mm-hmm. I think that it should be a family choice yep. on whether or not masks or the vaccine are appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had, you know, the wonderful thing about running is you get to talk to so many different people with so many different views. And then we've talked to multiple families that their children have special needs. And to be able to get a, a waiver to not have to wear a mask in the classroom is immense. They spend hours on the phone, emails, to just get the approval to allow their children to be able to go into the classroom without a mask because of whether it's tactile or mm-hmm. visual. Mm-hmm. It, they don't have the right to be able to make that choice. I know mm-hmm. for me, I'm hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. And it's been very difficult for me with the mask because I miss out on a lot of conversations sure. because I can't hear. And I can't imagine a child who's sitting in a classroom trying to hear their teacher through a mask through a shield, yeah. trying to interact with their classmates with a mask and a shield. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's preventing them from engaging and learning mm-hmm. the best way they can. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It really needs to be a decision by the family to be able to make the choice. And, you know, I've heard so many times with parents that say, how can my kid wear a mask all day, but they go to the football game, <laughs> there's thousands <laughs> of kids in the stand, right. not a mask to be seen. Mm-hmm. And they're just mm-hmm. touching their face more, too, with the masks. They on. do. Right. I know. Yeah. They're kids. Their kids and Rebecca, you had mentioned in our last program just about the um, the stunt and growth and in, in reading uh, yes. capability. Why don't you speak to that again? Yes, yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about that when Curtis was speaking, mm-hmm. but yeah, for the young children who are learning how to read, um, it's so critically important for kids to be able to hear the phonemic sounds that each sound makes and. When you're putting them together and sounding out words, they need to be able to hear those sounds and watch the teacher's lips and the teacher needs to be able to see theirs. And I think I mentioned in another show that I interviewed a woman for a position last year and she was working in a kindergarten setting where the students were all masked. Um, for the first half of the year, they were actually online, which she said was even harder because she couldn't even connect with them directly. But then second semester, they were back in person, which she was thrilled about, except that they all had to wear masks, these little kids. And she said, try to teach a child how to read when you're masked and they're masked. She said, it's a disaster. And so many of the kids are not learning how to read, no matter how hard she works, no matter how hard she tries. And, you know, what are going to be the long-term ramifications of these kids who missed out? Because kindergarten, first grade, second grade, those are when you're really learning how to read. If you don't have that down and you get passed on to the next grade, now you're learning through reading. Mm -hmm. And if you can't read, it's going to affect them all the way through. And this is what we're seeing. The data is clear that the kids are behind already um, after just one year. And now we're adding a second year of this Mm -hmm. on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very detrimental. Yeah. to the kids. My daughter has a speech IEP too. Does and she? so okay. she's done the Zoom speech, she's done yes. the mass speech. 
It's very it's difficult, not, isn't yeah, it? It didn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help at all. And then you're kind of wasting your time, which is just right. not the way it should be. Right. Um, well, Curtis, we hear terms like equity and inclusion being used regularly in an attempt to close the wide achievement gap we see between white students and students of color here in the state of Minnesota, which is a true, genuine problem. Um, how would you describe the Rosemount Apple Valley Egan School District's usage of equity in the district's classroom? And then how much of a factor is critical race theory and Black Lives Matter in the district's curriculum? What are you hearing from parents in terms of their responses to this equity in the classroom? Well, this is when you look at the two hottest topics when we're talking about the school board. It's masks and critical race theory and this equity and inclusion window dressing that the district likes to put out there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're fun words. They're nice words. Who doesn't doesn't Mm -hmm. want equity and doesn't want everybody to be included? But the problem is, is that most people don't know what this means. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at what's happening you know, what's being said by the other candidates that are that are for or using this as a platform is they're talking about that certain children have the inability to compete in the way that the schools are set up right now. Mm-hmm. And so how do we attack that? Well, we need to either the tests are racist or the system is racist. But in all reality, to close that achievement gap, their goal is, well, let's just lower the standards. Mm-hmm. Let's just make it easier for a student to pass. And again, as I said earlier, how does that prepare that student when they leave the school to compete in the world, in, in the global economy? Because it ain't fair out there. I mean, that's the one right. thing I always teach my children, as I say, that one thing is life is not fair. Right. I used to say that to my kids <laughs> all the time when they were young. Yeah. And so if you, and the problem is now you've, you're creating another generation that, that, that fairness is the only way around. And if you're not fair, well, then, you know, then I'm going to take my ball and go home and mm-hmm. they're not prepared. And mm-hmm. We just need to get it. The other thing that really troubles me is they throw a lot of these beautiful words around, but where's the results? The test scores continue to fall. Right. The, the achievement gap continues to widen. widen yep. So what are they doing mm-hmm. other than just giving lip service? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and now um, we're seeing equity grading. So you might start to see mm-hmm. the achievement gap close artificially. Um, which is even more devastating because then you know that the kids are not being served and the, and the kids who are really concerned about that are at the low part of the spectrum, we want to help them get up higher uh, and, and get their test scores up. But what it really takes is true learning and, and the support of teachers. And um, it's not always an easy road, but it can be done. Mm-hmm. You know, schools like Hope Academy in Minneapolis that are working with Kids who are coming from that population demonstrate time and time again that it is possible to achieve success with with kids um, in this group that we are trying to help. And so you don't just right. give up on them and lower the standards for everybody. But that's the path. That's an easy path, right? Yeah. Just lower the standards. Everybody passes. But instead of doing the putting in the hard work to figure out how can we close that gap by raising the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kim, let's give you an opportunity to, to speak to this. What are you hearing from schools and parents as it pertains to equity in the district's classrooms? Yeah, well, I'm sure I'll echo a little bit of what Curtis just shared. But when I knock on doors, many people, the first question they ask me is, is CRT being taught in the classroom? Hmm. And, of course, as Curtis said, Superintendent Krieger said at a board meeting um, that it's not being taught in our district. However, that's hmm. false. Um, students and teachers... Um, offer evidence daily that this is being taught in the classroom and it's all over the news <laughs> and it is delivered in that pretty little package we call equity mm-hmm. and and inclusion and because um, who can argue with equity and inclusion and if mm-hmm. you do 
then you're racist Mm -hmm. and you're phobic. Mm -hmm. So, but I will say that Education Minnesota, which is a state teachers union, um, has a three-page document dedicated to responding to politically motivated attacks on racial equity in schools. Hmm. And bullet point number three, for example, or four, for example, says avoid the academic term critical race theory. Mm -hmm. Why would you have Mm -hmm. to avoid it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Their sample narrative, option one, is literally called distract and divide. Now think about that. Distract and divide. Interesting. (laughs) This reinforces the idea that CRT, or whatever you name it, is all about division and that they're trying to hide the truth from parents. Right. Mm -hmm. The fact that this document exists at all proves that the posters are on the wall, and they literally are, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the schools and in the classrooms. So I ask, if it's not being taught, then why are these tip sheets being put together? Why train teachers to, um, to use code speak? Mm-hmm. And it's not about unity. It's not about cooperation or finding common ground. Mm-hmm. It relies on constantly promoting division, which is why it's very harmful and should be used um, to create le- or shouldn't be used to, to create lesson plans, mm-hmm. curriculum or policies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll just yeah. add this too. you know, you talked yeah. about it being named something else. I know in California, they don't call it CRT anymore. It's ethnic studies. Right. And that is now required. So, you know, parents mm-hmm. need to really just kind of keep a lookout. Okay, what is this subject? What is this class called? Mm-hmm. Why is it required? And, and do a little digger deeping to see where the CRT is. Well, and sure. ethnic studies is the fifth strand that just got added to the social studies standards mm-hmm. here in Minnesota. In Minnesota yep. um, those are under review, I'm assuming, right now by this judge. And we'll see, you know, what happens. And they would be implemented mm-hmm. Uh, I think they got them pushed out one year, so they'd be implemented in 2025. I think they got one more year through the legislator, legislature this year. It would have been 24, and I think it'll be 25 when they actually implement. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, yes, that's happening in Minnesota as well. Right. Kim, you're also very passionate in your desire for academic success for each and every student in the district. You know, Share real quickly with our listeners how you would work to champion pathways for students with dyslexia and then giving them the individualized level of support they need for their success, as well as helping improving student literacy by the third grade. And, and how also, too, for those advanced learners, you know, those that now mm-hmm. feel like they're not being challenged because some of the watering down of curriculums, mm-hmm. how will you go to bat for them as well? Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, my daughter has a speech IEP, and my sister and I were both slow to math and reading, so I know how it feels to struggle, and I know how it is to struggle alongside your own kid. And poor literacy is failing all learners, and leveling is holding back those who are academically gifted, and all of which <clears throat> excuse me, are the future of our community and our country. So um, when I began my campaign, I was told that children who are not literate by the third grade, statistically, um, they prove to have a higher probability of being homeless or falling into drugs or even into prison. Um, and having a five and a seven-year-old who haven't reached the third grade yet, this is super concerning mm-hmm, and yeah. really struck a chord with yeah, me. Yeah, Maybe that's when I got passionate. I'm not even sure. But <laughs> I'm excited that dyslexia is now being diagnosed and recognized in schools. Um While I am new to the scene, I have had many parents reach out who've been working through these struggles. And what has become clear is that there are better ways to help these students 
than there, than the what's currently in place. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as a volunteer myself, I really strongly advocate for parent and community involvement um, when the, when and where possible. Okay, you know what? I'm going to have to cut you off because no. we're already at the very end. Um, but <laughs> let's really quickly let Curtis and you both say, you know, one thing. Maybe you've got a Facebook page or something that you'd like people to go to to learn more about you. Oh, my website is Henry for F O R E or F O R. 196.org and we want everybody to vote yes you know don't don't we have too many people say we don't vote because you don't have kids well you pay taxes and it's important yes very good and do you have a facebook page as well i have you can go to my website it's kim4education.org all right thank you so we have again curtis and kim from rosemont apple valley district 196 thank you for joining us here tonight we really appreciate having you on and best wishes in your final weeks here leading up to the election and mark always great to be with you well all right and for those of us or those of you who want to listen go to save the classroom.com good night three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.